hey, and welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I am your host, JR, and we are here to talk about all the things going on in the Big Ten. It's our basketball episode today, so we are going to continue to kind of preview, predict a little bit of basketball just to get you ready for the basketball season. We have Derek from the Victor's Nation Big Banter Sports Michigan podcast, and then we have Dylan from the Wild Chat Northwestern podcast here to, to join us and talk through some of the Big Ten. I'm going to let go ahead and let Derek introduce himself and tell him where you can find the podcast at. Uh, yeah, so uh, the Vickers Nation, we are uh, a community of uh, diehard Michigan fans. Um, and you can find us on Facebook. Um, we have over 14,000 followers on Facebook. Um, you can find us on Twitter or X, whatever you refer to it as. Um, we've got a website uh, up and running, uh, www.thevictorsnation.com. Um, we're trying to, to keep up-to-date Michigan sports content for, for all sports on the website. We've got a forum started up on the website as well. Um, and to, to follow our podcast, we typically do two or three podcasts a week. Um, as we get into basketball season, we'll probably cater more towards the, uh, the three. Uh, we'll wait and see how that uh, ends up coming about. But um, if you go to YouTube, uh, we've got a YouTube channel up where we're streaming all of our podcasts uh, at the Victor's Nation. Sweet. All right. Thanks, Derek. And to make their debut, the Wild Chat podcast debut, is Dylan here with us. We've never had a Wild Chat member on with us. So, Dylan, go ahead and let people know where they can find you and where they can find the podcast at. Yeah, happy to be the first uh, member of the Wild Chat here. Uh, Wild Chat, me, my roommate, Adam, and one of our close friends, Ashley. Uh, we're all students at Northwestern. Uh, love Northwestern sports. Love every bit. Um, you can find us, I guess, right now. We have our YouTube at the uh, the Wild Chat, and we're also available on Spotify. And check out our Twitter at the Wild Chat. That's mainly where we're posting everything, um, where all of our new episodes are coming out. Relatively new podcasts. I don't have a ton of things established just yet, but you know we're working on it, getting getting new and getting more up there. For sure, for sure. And we'll do our best to try and get Adam and Ashley on, especially this basketball season, as much as we can, because I want to hear from them. I, I like to listen to the Wild Chat. I think there's good analysis there. And I also like to listen to Victor's Nation as well. We had Dre on uh, a few weeks ago, maybe about a month ago, uh, and he did a really good job too. So uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please do not forget to like and subscribe. If you're listening on podcasts, please do go ahead and follow us there and also give us a rating. It helps us out. And we would like to hear back from you on what you think of the podcast overall. And it does does help us to improve. Okay, enough of that. Let's go ahead and get into it. We have some things to talk about today with basketball. We have Big Ten Media Days that happen. We're going to kind of give a little bit of an overview for Northwestern and Michigan, talk through those. And then we also have conference realignment talk in basketball. So it's not specific to basketball, but there were some coaches, asked some questions. We're going to get into that a little bit, share some thoughts, and go from there. But our first thing to do is to get into some expectations for 2024 for Michigan and for Northwestern. So, we're, Derek, we're going to let you go first here. What are some fair expectations, maybe like a floor and ceiling type of deal for Michigan this season? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I think that as we come into – um, this basketball season, there, there's going to be quite the contrast from what we're talking about with Michigan right now, where when you talk Michigan football, we're talking national championship potential. Uh, but when we talk basketball, um, expectations are a lot lower than, than certainly what they've been uh, the, the last few years, uh, because two years ago, that's what we were talking for basketball too, uh, as an expectation was national championship caliber teams. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Um, 
expectations are low and a lot of people I don't really think know what to expect out of this team so uh we, we lost three key starters off of last year's team um two to the draft with Chet Howard and, and Kobe Kobe Buffkin being lottery picks in the draft uh and then Hunter Dickinson transferring to to Kansas uh right that was a a big part of our offense um coming in we've got a couple transfers coming in and uh, Olivier Kamawo, I think is how you pronounce his his last name. I was going to uh, ask the, how to pronounce that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kam, Kam, Kamoa, I think is is how you pronounce it. Um, and Namari Burnett and Trey Jackson from from Seton Hall. So um, it, it's hard to even know exactly what the the starting lineup is going to look like. And uh, to be honest, I think that there's going to be a lot of contributors uh, on Michigan this year. So I, I think it's going to be a team that shows depth, but I think it's a team that shows depth because there's not the the star power that they've had in the last couple of years. And that could be a blessing in disguise because uh, a couple of times, if, if, if you watched Michigan the last couple of years, um, sometimes they would almost get stuck trying to do individual things rather than having a good offensive flow. And, um, and, and that's what happens when you have a big man as good as Hunter Dickinson. That's what happens when, uh, before last year, we had Caleb Houston, uh, an, another um, one-and-done NBA player. That's what happens when you get that type of star talent is sometimes you try to call their name and hope that they can come through. Now, when that star talent with Jet Howard and Kobe Bufkin and before that, Caleb Houston, when you're talking about 18-year-old kids uh, and you're putting the ball in their hands in some of the biggest situations that they've ever been in, you know, it, it's hard to fault uh, maybe it not working out the way that you want it to. So, um I think what we're going to see is a, a deep roster, a lot less star star talent um, than what we've seen. And that could be good because there could be better offensive flow, better defensive flow on the floor. So when, when you talk about what is the floor of the Michigan team this year, I think they're being projected at their floor. Um, I, I think that right now, if you look at the projections for, for where Michigan's expected to finish in the conference, um, most people are putting us almost as a bottom feeder. So uh, I think you're, you're looking at we're 10th or 11th in the, in the conference by, by most people typically finishing just ahead of Penn state, Minnesota, Nebraska. Um, I think that's the floor. I think that, I don't think that the talent that we have, even if it's not as much as it's been and the talent that we have in our coaching staff, I don't think that Michigan basketball is going to fall below that floor. Now, what could the ceiling be? Last year, Michigan went four and thirteen in games that were decided by six points or less. Um, they had sixteen total losses, but thirteen of them were within six points, hmm. and that's crazy. But but there are times where it, it was kind of head scratching. What are they? What what are they rolling out there uh, for the the final thirty seconds or minute of the game uh, for lineups? That was somewhat head scratching. And I think that that goes back to trying to call a specific player's number instead of trying to to call a good play. And um, if we get a couple things to go our way, there's a lot of uncertainty in the conference. There's a lot of a lot of teams that lost their best players. Uh, there's a lot of teams that have transfer players coming into their roster. So it, it you know there's a lot of unexpectedness that I think we're going to see. And things go really well. Say say this team just just hits it off and, and plays as a team. Uh, the transfers come together really well. 
you know, I don't think it would be unreasonable to say that we could finish somewhere in the six through eight range uh, within the conference, which I think would put us on the bubble on the right side of the bubble come March Madness. Whereas if we finish at the floor uh, where we finish kind of towards the bottom of the conference, I think that that keeps us on the outside looking in again. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you say that that's, um, or the the stat, the uh, note about the coaching and stuff like that. Because for me, that's the kind of key to the Michigan this year is can Juwan Howard develop as a coach? Because he's obviously very good at bringing the talent in, right? He brought his son in, and like you said, he, they had a um, who was the other the Kobe Buffkin last year with, with yeah. Jet who got drafted, and Hunter Dickinson actually developed well under him as well. So you know there is talent there, and he has. But the in game coaching is really where I feel like that's where Juwan Howard can improve, and if he if he does improve that way watch out he's going to be a dangerous coach in the conference yeah definitely and and you know it's kind of hard to say too because because you point out a good thing right so um kobe buffkin turned into a top 15 nba draft pick out of nowhere uh so uh hunter dickinson um developed a, a three-point shot to put him in the conversation of being an nba draft pick uh mm-hmm. because without that he he was a big man that had a couple moves down low and can dominate in college basketball so he needed to develop an outside game so uh, like you said is i don't think it's player development necessarily I, I think that he can recruit and i think that he can develop um but like you said it's it's some of the the end game coaching and who knows he he called out the team a little bit last year where he said he that he was asked in a press conference what what happened with the final play and he said sometimes you call one thing and the players decide to do something else on the court and so who knows if it was some some young heads trying to to get that last shot uh or if it was play design that's true that's true all right dylan uh you guys are coming off of one of your best seasons in program history i was rooting for the wildcats last year uh second round in the ncaa tournament i mean just a huge year for northwestern chris collins looks like the guy 22 and 12 last year uh what's your expectations for the season this year Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about all this, considering, I mean, this is arguably the highest Northwestern fans have ever felt about the basketball team heading into a season. Um, You look at this time last year, people had Chris Collins on the hot seat. Now you're looking at him. I believe he just got an extension over the offseason as well. Um, You're thinking, can he bring Northwestern to -to back-to-back NCAA tournament appearances for the first time in program history? I think, yes, that's a very serious possibility. you guys talked to Michigan, how expectations completely different from the po- football team. I mean, yeah, same here, except the complete opposite. Although opposite. the football team's not doing <laughs> as bad as we thought. Um, this team is one where last year it was a team built on defense, defense, defense. Um, every game felt like it was going to be a low-scoring game. Games were coming down to the wire, but Northwestern was able to survive and win a ton of them. You lose Chase Audige, who I believe was Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. He was incredible, just the way he was able to steal some of those balls get plays going the other way. He's going to be a guy that is tough to replace. Um, However, you have to hope that some of these guys that you did bring in can improve because Adij was a little bit inconsistent offensively and arguably the entire team was. However, they brought in a bunch of transfers that should be able to help. Justin Mullins, Ryan Langborg, who had a big impact during Princeton's run in the NCAA tournament. Um, Blake Preston coming over from Liberty. All of those guys are going to make a big impact I think Northwestern is still going to play a pretty defensive style of game. However, offensively, you still have Boo-Booey. Boo-Booey getting some of the most hype I've seen overall. I mean, made the Big Ten first team, uh, Preston's first team. I think he's getting some All-American hype. 
and he deserves it. He is a phenomenal player, can make basically anything happen. I mean, he's clutch as well. I remember his game winner against Indiana with two seconds left, just all over the place. There is talent. You look at some of the other guys as well in Brooks Barnheiser, who, in my opinion, is going to make the biggest jump on the team because I think he's going to get some more serious playing time this year. He was one of those guys who, when he had the ball in his hands, it looked like he could do something special with it. He's a guy that this year, without Adige in here, I assume he'll get a bigger role, make a big jump this year, and really take on. He's a guy that, if this team looks to be a little bit more offensive, Brooks Barnheiser is that type. And then also looking at the center position with Matt Nicholson, Nicholson was a guy who really before last year, nobody knew who he was. And then all of a sudden he just emerges. He was terrific defensively. That's kind of the theme with this team. And, you know, offensively, it took a little bit of time for him to develop. But as the season went on, you look towards the NCAA tournament. He had his best game of the year in the last game. UCLA, I believe he put up 16 points, was terrific defensively. He's a guy that really excited about. And then you have Luke Hunger, who got hurt really on in the year. And that hurt our center depth. And that was a big issue with the team was that after Matt Nicholson, you had basically Titus Verhoeven, who was okay, but not great. And then Nick Martinelli, who just very young, didn't know a ton, but I'm excited about him as well. But so center depth was an issue last year. I'm really excited about what's going to happen this year. And I think this team overall is going to just be a good team. I know they're getting hype around, you know, seventh team, seventh ranked team in the Big Ten. I think that's fair, but honestly, Last year, came into the year very underrated, 13th or 14th chosen, end up finishing second in the Big Ten. I could almost say that they are being underrated as well again this year. Obviously, the Big Ten is a terrific basketball conference, but I could see them finishing top five once again. I mean, you look at what happened last year. I believe we went into that final game of the year, and it was basically if you win, you can finish as high as number two. If you lose, you can finish as low as number nine in the Big Ten. And I remember that was a big deal. We ended up winning that game against Rutgers, I think it was. So I think it could go anywhere. Ultimately, I really do see a situation where they do finish top five, even top three, arguably, in the Big Ten. I just think it's going to determine, hey, how can they play in some of these close games? How can they play defensively? Will they be able to make up for the loss of Chase Adige? Will Boo Booey still be that guy? I think the answers are going to be yes. It's the most excited I've ever been. I don't know if you guys have any clue what's happening like with our fan base, but basically we had to implement a whole new ticketing system for students. I'm on the executive board of our student section, and we had to implement a whole new thing so students could get tickets because we just don't have enough tickets because the hype is just so much for this basketball team. People are just itching to get into the Welsh Ryan Arena for some of these games. I'm so excited, and yeah. Yeah, that that that's awesome analysis there. Brooks Barnheiser is one I'm super excited to see play. I've heard the hype for him, and I've heard kind of you know the the abilities he has and the tough mismatch he's going to be able to be. So he's one of those guys that I'm really interested to see play early on in the year and then see how he develops. But that's an interesting note. I didn't know that about your student section and and uh, what's what's the size capacity of your arena? Do you know? Is it very big? Kind of small? No, it's it's roughly eight thousand is what okay. it holds. Student-wise attendance, we're only really allotted like 1,200 seats out of that 8,000 as well. And, you know, we're a school of 8,000. So we implemented right. this like point system that's been used at other schools. Where people have to go to some of the other sporting games to be able right. to build it up. I, am, I found out today I am number two overall in the school in most amount nice. of points. So Is I will Adam be attending all of our men's basketball games. No, he's not. He's a little bit lower down. We're both. <laughs> Ashley, Adam, and I are all on the executive board of our student section, okay. so we'll all be fine. But yeah, it's 
I'd like that if uh, Adam was number one. It could be like some uh, you know roommate rival, little you know, roommate who rivalry. Can get the yeah. Spot? yeah. <laughs> it's like I will hey, say, go to the game I will say, no, you don't go. <laughs> I will say with Well Shrine Arena, even though it is so small, the sound stays in there, and that's a big aspect yeah. of I think a lot of our our um, home court advantage. It felt like we were when we were at home last year, we were basically unstoppable. I know we lost to Michigan at home last year, but and I believe Rutgers, but those were the only two that I can really remember. But even those games, it was just completely rocking. Um, the crowd was getting into it. We had definitely a few chants that were not PG, not safe for work at all. Um, I think our, I don't know if it was our school president or the athletic director had to come out after the Indiana game and basically say that we were just way too unruly because Miller Cop, who transferred from Northwestern to Indiana, yeah. uh, he got some choice words from us and the student section. But yeah, uh, games are fun. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, I think that's an underrated aspect of going to the games now, especially as a student. If you have somebody who transferred in your conference and they're coming back to your arena, like you're not going to be treated kindly. Uh, and maybe it goes too far. I have no idea. But uh, but yeah, I know I asked that because it does kind of remind me of Duke's arena as well, because I think they're only like 11,000 or something like that. Yeah, and dude, when that place well. is, yeah, when that place is really going, it's going. Um, it's one of the best arenas out there um, because because of that size and how loud they can really make the environment. So very interesting. Very interesting. All right, let's move on to our next subject here. We're going to get into the Big Ten preseason all conference teams and awards. So I have have what the media wrote down here, and then I want you guys to kind of evaluate it, and we'll go from there. So our media first team is Zach Eady at center, Tyson Walker, uh, the guard from Michigan State, uh, Terrence Shannon Jr., guard from Illinois, Jameer Young, guard from Maryland, Boo Booey, guard from Northwestern, so very guard heavy this year. Uh, A.J. Hogard, guard from Michigan State, is on the second team. Cliff Amorier on the second team, center from Rutgers. Xavier Johnson, guard from Indiana. Chucky Hepburn, guard from Wisconsin. Olivier, last name, Nakahuma, that forward from Michigan. That I, the the listeners here know I'm terrible with names, so that one just really, really yeah. gets me. Uh, and then the media Big Ten preseason player of the year, obviously, is Zach Eady. Uh, the media breakout player of the year, I was kind of surprised by this, Bruce Thornton from Ohio State. And then the media wild card is Indiana. The media sleeper team is Ohio State. So, Dylan, let's start with you. What were kind of your overall thoughts with what the media chose here? Yeah, I wasn't quite sure by that wild card pick in Indiana because I yeah. just feel like Indiana is a team that – I know they lost a lot of guys to the NBA, but they're one of those teams that still recruits really well. And they're a team that I feel like is always just super good. So I didn't quite understand calling them a wild card. Um, one of the teams that I think stands out to me, and I saw they were ranked number five, which also feels a little bit low for them, but that's Wisconsin to me. And one of the rankings I saw, I think they're a team that one has a ton of experience. And I think experience is really big when it comes to college basketball. They're returning just tons of guys. Maybe their entire starting five. I can't remember exactly. Um, I'm really big on Chucky Hepburn. Um, when he played against Northwestern, he was a guy that was always kind of making something happen. I got to broadcast the uh, Northwestern-Wisconsin game for our student radio, and he was one of those guys that I was pointing out as, like, this this kid is this kid is really good. Um, so Wisconsin's one of those teams that I want to call a sleeper, but they're not necessarily a sleeper because they are getting some decent preseason hype, but maybe not enough preseason hype is more where I'm going with that. Um, and as for the, uh, the all conference teams, I mean, I think they were pretty good. I would almost maybe move Chucky Hepburn up to first team, um, and maybe 
hot take move Terrence Shannon Jr. down to second team. Um, but that's also me not me hating on Illinois. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I would say. Dude, you're preaching exactly what I uh what, what I'm what I'm thinking over here. Wisconsin was kind of like that team. If I had to give like a top two or three, oh well, which we're, we're going to talk about that. So uh, if I was going to give like a top two or three, Michigan State, Purdue, obviously, and then Wisconsin was the other one that I was going to give just because of that experience. And Chucky Hepburn, I think he's a dude. I think he can really make things happen. Um, and so man, I'm right there with, and I really I. I, I, I'll offend you, no Illinois fans. I don't think Terrence Ch- Shannon Jr. is the guy. I, I just don't think so. I, I think that he's inconsistent. I think that he's erratic. And I just, I just don't think that he has enough discipline under Brad Underwood and that coaching staff. So, Illinois fans, you can hate me all you want. I don't think he's the guy. Maybe he'll prove me wrong, but that's just me. Uh, he's getting a lot of hype this year, and I don't know. I don't know if it's deserved. Uh, Derek, save me here. Uh, give the Illinois fans some hype or something to make them feel better. I don't know. So... I do feel like Illinois is going to be um, a, a tough team. So I think that the, um, I think we've got a top tier of three teams in Michigan State, Purdue, and Illinois this year um, that are going to be a, a little bit better than the rest. I, I agree on Wisconsin, right? I, Wisconsin does return all five of their starters from last year. So, um, and Wisconsin's been a historically good program. Wisconsin was another one of those teams uh, like Michigan last year that they're in a lot of tight games and um, a, a role here, a role there, um, you know, could have been, they could have been in the NCAA tournament instead of playing in the NIT, but they made a run in the NIT. And historically we see teams that do make runs in the NIT and return a lot of the production from that year uh, typically come back and have a pretty good year. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Wisconsin um, go to Wisconsin basketball where they play tough defense, they play tough offense, and it might not be sexy basketball, but uh, it's uh, it, it produces wins and both teams score in the 50s, and they're completely fine with that. <laughs> um, Is it ever sexy basketball in the Big Ten? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there, there have been times. Maybe um, Iowa, <laughs> uh, right? Iowa tries to. Uh, there, there's been times where where Purdue, when Purdue is hitting, uh, when they're hitting their shots and not just relying That's on true. Zach Eady, where where they can they can drop a lot of points. Um, so I will I will tell you, you know, that Northwestern Wisconsin game last year was maybe one of the ugliest basketball games I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, Michigan Wisconsin was was pretty ugly too. Um, well, that's what kind was, of what Wisconsin was last year. They just yeah. they kind of made the games ugly, and that's part of Chucky Hepburn's game, right? Is he makes the game ugly, and he he disrupts you uh, to a level that just makes you uncomfortable when you're playing. Uh, he's like the intramural guy. I don't know if you guys ever played intramural basketball, but he's like the intramural guy that goes out there, and his whole goal is just to make your team uncomfortable uh, with his defense, and then produce from that. I you know obviously he's much better than some random intramural <laughs> guy, but yeah. he's he's one of those guys so um Derek what if you had to give a a first team yourself and maybe a a few of these awards how would uh how would you give them out yeah so you know I I think Zach Eady is probably the the no-brainer when it comes to Big Ten player of the year um you know I actually agree with what uh what ended up coming out for the the first team with Zach Eady and Jameer Young and Terrence Shannon and Tyson Walker and and Boo Booey and you know what um I think it's kind of cool to see. I'm not just saying this because you're on here to to see a team that typically comes in with low expectations uh, have a player um, get some love on that. So um, 
I agree. There's always some uncertainty to me coming into a season, like especially with basketball with only five guys on the court, one, one guy can make a huge difference. And with the number of transfers that are coming in and out of these teams every year, it's kind of hard to say on some of the the projections for uh, for some of the transfers. Um, a couple guys that I think are, you know, worth worth mentioning though um, is Nebraska uh, Tomanaga. I think is is his name. Yeah, Kisai or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he he's a baller, and and it might get overshadowed by the fact that Nebraska is not a good basketball program. Um, but you know, I, I think he's worthy of. Uh, first team conversation because if you put him on a lot of the other rosters in the in the Big Ten where he's got a, a little talent around him that's taken away some attention from his game, I think that he he definitely goes off. Yeah, for sure. I think that he's going to be a fun one to watch this year as well. Dylan, do you have any thoughts on uh, what they uh, what you would choose as your kind of first team and awards and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I think my first team is pretty similar to what they've got. And then besides, you know, switching Chucky Hepburn for uh, Terrence Shannon, um, I think breakout player of the year. I mean, they had an interesting choice on there. Obviously, I talked about the Brooks Barnheiser hype. Um, if I want to keep on the Wisconsin hype train, I could say Connor Asijian. Um, He's someone who I know is really hyped coming out of high school, um, struggled a little bit at times last year for Wisconsin, but he was a guy. I'm probably just hyping up Wisconsin too much because I actually saw them live twice compared to any other team besides Northwestern. But I guess I saw Penn State twice and lost both of those. But um, I was a big Connor CGN fan, even though he struggled that time. So I would say that. Um, yeah, those are, that's my take. Yeah. Yeah, I think if I was going to make my own kind of first team honestly i love the bruce thornton pick and as everybody knows i'm an Ohio state fan so call me bias sure uh but if i had to make my own first team i'd probably put obviously ed tyson walker i think tyson walker's gonna be a dude this season as well aj hogard as well i really think michigan state's gonna have the best uh guard duo in uh in the conference and then i really like boo booey and then like i said bruce thornton as well uh preseason player of the year it has to be zach ed i don't know what you're doing if you don't pick him to be that guy and then my breakout player to watch you know listen we saw it with keegan murray we saw it with chris murray i really feel like the guy primed to really make that jump is uh patrick mccaffrey at iowa um i i just i really feel like he has the length he has the game to be able to do it whether he can put it all together this year or not i think he's averaged around 10 points per game the past two years uh so i'm not saying he's going to be a keegan murray or a chris murray and kind of score at the same pace but i do think he could really break out and kind of be that that main player that iowa needs to really build and work around um and then you know that kind of goes the same way with my wild card of iowa uh and then you know how can i go wrong with the sleeper team ohio state you know ohio state fan i'll go with it so all right let's go into our last subject here how conference realignment is impacting college basketball so the athletic put out an article where they interviewed several head coaches in college basketball, uh, two Big Ten coaches were quoted in this article, and basically they were just talking about uh, how all other sports, including basketball, or all other sports, basketball included, other than football, should kind of just break off their own conference uh, graphical location lines and stuff like that. They kind of saying, forget what football is doing, let them do their own thing, and let us stay here. Um, And they kind of 
talked about just how many games they play. You know, football only has 12 games a year unless you get to the postseason. Um, but they talked about, you know, travel and those different kinds of things. You know it. Uh, but Chris Holtman in particular said this, I think in, in about the moving and, and, uh, and uh, keeping the lines geographically the same in college basketball. He said, I think it makes sense. Whether it makes sense or not, I think that's where it's headed at some point. You could align sports that are playing twice a week, align them with more regional competition. And they quoted an anonymous anonymous Big Ten coach, so that way he could be a bit more candor. He said, "Uh, football is only a 12-game season. We're playing 30 games. It's more feasible and more logistically sound to keep things a little bit more regional. So I ask you guys, all right, Dylan, let's start with you. Are the coaches right? Should college basketball and all other non-football sports revert back to some regionality and allow this to exist on and allow football to exist on its own? Yeah. So I personally kind of hate the whole conference realignment thing, just because I think it's really unfair to these student athletes to kind of make them travel some of these distances especially in the middle of the week, these are still students at the end of the day that have classes to go to and have school to deal with. And I personally think that, you know, making them travel halfway across the country on a Wednesday night is pretty unfair to them. Football, you can make it work. They're playing on Saturdays. You could realistically fly out Friday night, be back on Sunday, and they're not really missing a ton of school. But if you're flying, you know, four or five hour flights each way, that's 10 hours, you're going to end up missing a lot of time. Players are going to struggle. I mean. It's just a big deal. You also have to think about like the physical toll it's going to take on some of these players. What's it got to be like sitting in like a cramped airplane for these five-hour plane rides, then going playing a two-hour game and then flying back? So personally, I would be a fan of you know getting rid of these massive conferences for sports other than football. Basketball is the one where it's like yes, they're chartering flights. I don't know if every team in the country is. I doubt they are, but the big schools probably are against. Um, but still, I think it's really not super fair to them to make them travel all these far distances, um, just like in the middle of the week like that. So I would definitely be in favor of more of those localized schedules. Yeah, I think it was Rick Pitino that said, of course, he's the coach at Hope John's now that, um, and uh, maybe it wasn't him, but I was reading the article and one coach said, you know, imagine, um, you know, students having to get on just regular like commercial flights and that flight gets delayed and then they finally get there and it's an hour before game time you know the tv isn't gonna schedule these things differently so uh derek where do you stand on all of this yeah i um i I agree i I think that the the conference realignment was um clearly a, a financial decision uh that was really heavily driven by the the big financial driver in college sports which is college football um and uh to your point um uh that that you were making dylan they play on saturdays they they play on saturdays the teams that this is affecting um they charter their flights uh on set on saturdays they the programs drive a lot of revenue. They can they can make it work um, with football, but the impact that that has on the rest of the sports, I, I a lot of football coaches have said it. A lot of football coaches have spoke out about conference realignment and the impact that it's going to have on all of the other athletic programs at their university because Olympic sports aren't going to be able to to do it. Um, right? You're not going to uh, is. I don't even know if Rutgers has a swim team, but is Rutgers swim team going to be flying to uh, Los Angeles for a swim meet? Like, is that feasible? Is this stuff 
feasible to be asking these athletic departments to do. When you have programs that do play the play on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, is it is it feasible to not Rutgers could go play a basketball game against USC or UCLA or Washington or Oregon tip off at 8 p.m. their time. And if that's a, a weekday game, they're not tipping off till 11 p.m. in the time zone that they're normally playing in, right? And and that's a big impact. And, um, you know, at some point in time, college football continues to break away from the NCAA, at least the, the Power Five conferences. They're, they can kind of do what they want. They, they control more that goes on than what the NCAA does. Um, I think that it would make sense eventually for college football to be treated as its own entity and then to, to bring other conferences back. I, I would not care one bit if there was a different teams in the conference for basketball season um, versus what's in their conference for football season. And I just think, you know, it's at some point in time um, with football, I think the the vision of the student athlete was lost, um, right? NIL uh, with these major programs has has kind of stepped in, and uh, they're they're almost minor league athletes at this point in time, and that that's not true for the rest of the sports. That you might be able to point to some of the big time basketball programs and a couple of players and say you're kind of treated like a minor league NBA player while you're in college, but for the most part, the majority of the programs. These are still student athletes and they they're playing basketball, but they're trying to get a degree. They're going to college for something. They know that the likelihood of them ending up in the NBA is, is there, there's a very small percentage chance of them going to the NBA. And now they're being forced to into these massive conferences. Yeah. And that was going to be my next question about, you know, the big 10 looking different in basketball versus football and all these other conferences. Cause I know that's something that, you know, conferences obviously like is the tradition of this team has been at our conference this many years, that kind of stuff. Um, but to see, you know, maybe Oregon and USC are in your conference in football, but then, you know, maybe the PAC 12 or something revives itself for basketball. Um, I think it would make sense for the student athletes like you guys are saying, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, how would I think through that? You know, I'd almost want there to be in football some kind of like Big Ten, Pac-12 agreement to where they are, you know, in their own conferences, but there's some kind of agreement between the two. Now, do I think the Pac-12 will ever come back? I don't know. There's a lot of news happening with Oregon State and Washington State, um, but it's it's interesting to think about. Dylan, do you have any thoughts about the Big Ten looking different in basketball than it does in football? Yeah, I mean, I guess me, me personally, I'm a huge University of Miami fan, which I hate to say after Saturday, but so I've dealt with the ACC and dealing with this with Notre Dame uh, my entire life. Um, I don't think it's the craziest thing to have school, you know, playing in one sport and not playing in another. I just think ultimately it, I see it as a realistic situation that's going to end up happening. You look at the ACC, I think one of the things that was happening with like Stanford was that Stanford has a ton more um, like Olympic sports than all the other schools in the ACC. So those other sports, they're going to stay separate from the ACC and just because the ACC doesn't have those teams. So I think it's a situation where realistically you can have teams that are, you know, they're just playing completely separate schedules in basketball compared to football. Do I think that happens soon? No, I think that'll take a couple of years if it were to be implemented, but I do think ultimately it should be the way that it goes. 
yeah, yeah, it's very interesting to talk about and to to think about conference realignment, where it goes. And I know everybody's kind of tired of talking about it, but it's the reality of where we are and it's the reality of what's going on. So uh, when news breaks about it, we need to be willing to talk about it and be willing to look into what is the possible future. So, all right, guys. Hey, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate you being here. Appreciate you breaking down your teams and sharing some thoughts on other things with the Big Ten. So a uh, reminder, if you liked what you heard here, you can hear it also from Victor's Nation over with there we go uh with Derek and then you can also hear it with uh Dylan over at the wild chat we appreciate y'all being here we are a podcast brought to you by big banter sports big head on over there to find all of your big 10 media needs we will have another episode tomorrow with uh the Ohio pod and boiler express to break down the Ohio State Purdue game and the rest of the games for the week thanks so much for watching everybody have a great day